0: Hello ladies and welcome to The Genius Podcast, my name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource them towards growth through all areas of their life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through The Genius Podcast, our live Catholic virtual events, as well as the Catholic Women's Masterclass our Catholic women's coaching programs, and the Genius Academy. At the heart of everything we do at the Genius Project is a deep desire that women would come to know their incredible value, worth, and dignity as the beloved daughter of God, and to realize that they have been given their own unique genius, a feminine genius. And as women, when we come to understand our own gifts and our unique genius, that is the moment that we start to walk in freedom. It's the moment that we can step out into the unique purpose and mission that God has entrusted us with. If you'd like to know more about what's on offer at The Genius Project, please visit our website www.geniusproject.co. And if you'd like to join the sisterhood community within the Genius Project, please send us an email info at On today's episode of the Genius Podcast, I'll be having a conversation with the very beautiful Stephanie Wineart. Steph's story is an incredible witness to what it means to walk in faith and to have hope when it feels like all has been lost. I really hope and pray that you enjoy and are blessed by this conversation with Stephanie Weiner. Well, Steph, thank you for joining us on the Genius Podcast. It's a real joy to have you with us. I know I connected with you on Instagram probably just before COVID hit, I think, the first time. And then I've just watched your journey, and we've been praying for you as a family over the last couple of years, and it's just beautiful to finally connect with you and to have this conversation. So thanks for joining us. Yes, of course. It's
1: such an honor to be with you and your listeners. Thanks for having me. Now, where are you based in the US, Steph? We live in Charlotte, North Carolina on the East Coast. So Mm -hmm. I grew up in the South. I've lived in the South most of my life. Um... But we've been in Charlotte since 2013, so it definitely feels like home. It's been a while. Most of my babies have been born here, so it's definitely home now. Beautiful. And how many children do you have? I have four children. I have three boys and my youngest is a girl and my husband is Peter. Um, And we have one very large dog, too. The kids like to say four kids and one very, very (laughs) big dog. And what's the dog's name? because that's always Kaiser incredible. he's a German shepherd and Kaiser means hairy in German so oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we well,
0: have a very little dog
1: called Benji he's tiny oh. Cavoodle.
0: <laughs> my kids passion for for cavoodles and little dogs began when we were visiting New York and everyone oh, there yes. has little but everybody dogs. has yes everybody <laughs> <really> does <laughs> dogs. and they're all on Prozac <laughs> they're all on antidepressants that Bette was telling us in New York
1: that was quite funny, but <laughs>
0: Steph, we um we're going to have a bit of a conversation today just around I guess suffering and how the Lord leads us and how we can find joy in the midst of that. But before we get into that, I was wondering if you could share, I guess, a little bit about yourself, your background. Um,
1: and yeah, that'd be great. So I was born an evangelical pastor's kid, so I grew up In a uh, Presbyterian church, my dad was an evangelical Presbyterian minister uh, for the first decade of my life. And around the time I turned 10, my parents started studying early church history. And basically, um, my father read himself, read and studied himself out of a job and out of a career. Um, He left his pastorate and my family converted to Catholicism. There, my mom was expecting my sixth sibling at the time. There's eight children in my family, the oldest of eight. Uh, so that was a massive life change for our whole family. Um, for the first years of my life, I knew every single person in the church. My aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents all attended my dad's church. So it was uh quite a shock and in some ways a trauma um, to leave all that for the Catholic Church. Uh, I tell people I had two conversions. I had the actual one where, where the bishop brought me into the Catholic Church and then during my teen years, I really had to discover Catholicism for myself because most of my friends were still evangelical Protestant and, you know, would ask me all the questions, all the apologetics questions. And I had no idea (laughs) how to defend purgatory or the scapular or any of these things that were still so new for me. So um, I definitely had sort of a a secondary conversion to coming into the faith and um, owning it for myself. Uh, I went to college, studied theology um, with an emphasis on biblical theology. I also did uh, graduate work in theology. And spent my 20s doing Catholic ministry. I was on the Catholic speaking circuit. I was a radio show host for the EWTN, Catholic Radio Network. Um, And did just a lot of work, especially with young people, teenagers, college students, young adults. Um, Met my husband, Peter, at the end of my 20s. And we got married in 2009. Uh, Lived in Washington, D.C. at first, and then settled here in Charlotte. Um, so when I got married, I, I, gave up radio when I got married to, we started having children right away and I wanted to focus on our children. So I took a big step back, um, from ministry. Um, and then as I was a stay-at-home mom, this thing called Instagram and blogger and all of these things, you know, that kind of technology started coming into the picture and it gave me a little bit of a different kind of platform from the quiet of my home where I was able to blog about uh, my journey through motherhood and what the Lord was teaching me through motherhood. Um, And then Instagram, which became a a way to kind of micro blog to to share um, just kind of my spiritual journey there as well. So Mm -hmm. I still dabble in the social media ministry things, but for the most part, I'm home with my kids. Uh, I homeschool them. So that's my second full-time job. Um but anyway I guess is that's probably too much background. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's me. fantastic. But it's um yes, I've always had a passion for sharing what the Lord has is doing in my life and that has changed over the years from, you know, converting to Catholicism to learning how to be a mom or going through different hardships in that journey of either motherhood or marriage um but it's been um, just a grace for me and a joy for me to be able to share what God is doing in my life and be able to connect, especially with other women that way. Yeah,
0: and, and you have such a beautiful gift with that. I know the two things that drew me to you actually were you were posting around New Year's, not this year, but maybe last year or the year before, just about um, dreaming and goal setting with your spouse. And that's something Jonathan and I have always done. We've been married 21 years and we have three children of our own, but it was a different I like the way that you approached it and it was just breaking the year and our dreams into categories and just what what's the Lord asking of us so that was the first thing and the second thing was just your vocation of motherhood Um, it was very attractive the way you were living just real life that you were living it from a really grounded authentic place and and your faith was just woven through every aspect of that and so I've been in Catholic women's ministry for, for years. So, but similar to yourself like that just really attracted me to you and oh, your you. posts and your blogs, because there was so much um, richness in what you were sharing. It wasn't just the general superficial things that some people do share, but there was a lot of depth to it. And at this season in my life, where we're hitting preteen years with our kids and we have a business. So we've been through COVID with a small business. It, what attracted me was just that depth and there was in your writing there was a deeper invitation to journey with the Lord through whatever it was I mean I know that you've had your own journey but we've had our journey of loss and grief too and I think you were a real inspiration in the way that you were just that shining light for a lot of women I think that all of us have had a lot to deal with and and our circumstances differ but the way in which we walk that journey is very similar and so mm-hmm. I just want
1: to thank you on behalf of a lot of women because thank you it's my pleasure well there's a grace in being um vulnerable with the raw and the real of life I feel like the deepest connections that I have formed with other women are when I let my guard down and say okay well this is how it really is <laughs> this is <Absolutely>. how really <laughs> what's really going on And he is still good, like through it, he is still good. And he is still working, even though sometimes it is awfully terribly hard. Um, But the more I have, shared maybe more vulnerably the more I have connected in with other women who say me too and CS one of my favorite quotes from author CS Lewis is he says that friendship is formed at that moment when one person says to another you too I thought I was the only one and I really believe that so strongly that that you too moment of oh yes me too (laughs) Um, It helps us. It helps us in our Christian walk. And um, we need that as women. There's so much superficial in the world. And that's sometimes all we're seeing that we we need that deeper connection. Absolutely. And Brené Brown does a lot of work on
0: vulnerability and the gift that that Mm -hmm. is. And my favourite quote of hers is, vulnerability is the first thing I want to see in you, but it's the Mm -hmm. last thing I want you to see in me. And so often we're, we're hiding behind these Photoshop reels of our life on Instagram or wherever it is. And there's just so much more going on behind that picture. You often see women post the picture that they post and then the one about the real story that happened while that photo was being. That's right. So true. And I think it is a gift because when we are vulnerable, we not only show other people, but we give other people permission as well to be real. And who wants to know people who have it all together? (laughs) Because all of us are struggling to a greater or a lesser degree. And what I want in this season and and what you have been to me, and I know a lot of women, is someone who is further up that mountain of life saying, I've done it, I've trekked it, it's hard, but you can do it. Come Come on up and this is what I've learned, what I can teach you. And so it's a beautiful gift, actually. Thank you. Yeah. So Steph, you have had a huge journey over the past 12 months haven't you it's been been massive and mm-hmm. I, I would love to just hand over I don't want to introduce that journey but would you share a little bit with us about sure. that journey because it's very much been around grief and loss mm-hmm. and about how you've journeyed through that and, and tried to find the Lord because I think you made a good point just before that he is always good mm-hmm. and, I, and I remember when I was 13 I had to have spinal surgery for scoliosis I had a huge 80 plus degree curve, and it was a very big operation. And at 13, a very, very young, very critical point in my life. Um, that is where I really came to trust in the Lord's goodness and faithfulness because I remember being terrified, but opening my devotional the day of my surgery to Proverbs 3, verse 5, 6. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your understanding, acknowledge him in all you do, and he'll direct you. And I remember from that point at 13, understanding that no matter what happens in life, God is always good and he's always faithful, but how hard it is to actually hold on to that in the face of grief and loss and and Mm -hmm. suffering. So would you share a little bit about
1: your journey with us, please? I would. I'd be glad to. And I think it's so Holy Spirit inspired that you mentioned that verse because those two verses are my favorite verses in all of scripture. And I mentioned that I had my secondary conversion to Catholicism as a teenager. It was because of those verses. Really? I, I had a low moment when I was 13. This is a true story. We haven't talked about this beforehand, by the way. Really? I mean, none of this is don't <laughs> so know this story. I was I was almost 13 and I it was a very low moment. I had a moment. I was driving. Uh, my parents were driving. I was in the backseat of our car It was nighttime. I was looking up the sky and I was so depressed by the fact that all of my friends were evangelical and I just, no one seemed to understand me anymore. I barely understood how to defend this beautiful new faith that I was part of, but I just felt so alone and and in a very depressed way. And those two verses came to my heart. I memorized them earlier as a child, but they just came out of nowhere to my mind. And I went home that night, opened the Bible and I was like, it's from Psalms or Proverbs. I'm not sure which. So I started with Proverbs because it's only 31 chapters and Psalms is 150. And I just started reading. I was going to read till I found those verses and it only took me three, three chapters in, but it really impacted me. And those have been two verses that have carried me through all sorts of things in life, especially the last couple of years. But my story with suffering and how the Lord has taught me a lot about life and himself in the last couple of years started in October, 2019, when my fifth child was born. Um, And during my pregnancy, I was over 35. So of course they treat you like you're geriatric and you have all the special ultrasounds and all the extra appointments and all the extra things to make sure everything's okay. Okay. And everything for for my my fifth child tested out perfectly. We we thought we were having a perfectly healthy baby, and uh, I delivered him via emergency C-section at 38 weeks. My amniotic fluid was very low, and so they put me into an emergency C-section. And my son Beckett Martin was born October 26 of 2019, and he received a clean bill of health at birth was perfectly fine. Everyone was a little concerned about me because I'd been through a very traumatic delivery, but no one was concerned for him until we were being discharged from the hospital to go home and the pediatrician was doing his discharge examination. And she looked over him a long time and turned to my husband and I in, in the recovery room and said, Here's something in his heart and I, it doesn't, it's not right. I don't think, but I'd like a second opinion. I'm going to go get a colleague and come back in. We're going to just examine him a little further. And so she brought in her colleague and they examined him for a while. And she turned around and said, I'm pretty sure that something's wrong with his heart. We're going to have to do some tests. You're not going to go home today. Um, But I also think your son has something called down syndrome. Have you ever heard of it? I'm like, yes, we've heard of it. Um, and that was our first indication that uh, our son had any difficulties. And so we had to do the genetic testing and we had to do all the heart tests and found out that um, my little Beckett did have a very significant heart defect and he also had an extra chromosome, he had Down syndrome. So we, um, you know, we had a quick launch into the world of special needs parenting. Uh, Beckett was um, perfectly healthy as a newborn in terms of like, he had his extra chromosome. He was going to have surgeries later in life. We knew he had to have open heart surgery to live to adulthood. There was no other way his heart would make it unless he had surgery. So we thought he would have surgery around four or five years old. Um, But as a newborn, we just loved that baby and um, took care of him like any other newborn. Um, COVID hit when Beckett was about four months old. So not many people met him in real life because he was medically fragile. We were definitely home for most of 2020. Um, but my husband and I chose to share Beckett's story on social media. So we were, and we didn't want to sugarcoat anything. We just wanted to kind of show the real life of this beautiful baby who was perfect, but also had medical difficulties. And we wanted to show both how beautiful it was, but also how hard it was. We wanted to just show the real story. And we did that. And people from all over the world fell in love with Beckett. He was the sweetest. uh, He's the sweetest little thing, beautiful smile. And whenever he saw my phone, uh, he knew we would be taking pictures of him. So he learned to blow kisses at the phone anytime he saw the phone. I mean, he just, he was a little ham. And uh, towards the end, towards the fall of 2020, Beckett went in for his um, one-year big checkups, big heart tests and everything. And um, I remember the, his heart specialist coming back into the room after we had done um, his heart test, saying his heart has, you know, is not the same place it was the last time we ran these tests. In fact, it's much worse. We need to move up the timeline of heart surgery probably before Christmas, mm. which was big, big, that was a big change in the in the plan for us. Um, And then as we did more tests, found out that Beckett also had pulmonary hypertension and lung disease. And because of that, his team determined he was too weak for heart surgery, Mm -hmm. which put us in a very, between a rock and a hard place. We have this child who needs heart surgery to live, but he has lung disease and so he can't survive the heart surgery. So Mm. every specialist in America pretty much heard Beckett's story. Um, His team reached out to just the most advanced heart and lung, pediatric heart and lung doctors in the world. Like everyone was hearing Bucket's case reviewing his file and there was no clear path forward. There was no, you know, like this is what we can do and this is gonna solve our problems. So it was many months of suffering and worry um, for for Peter and I. And then uh, in early April of last year, his team decided to put in a G tube because he wasn't gaining weight as he should, and in case we could get that green light for heart surgery, they wanted him as chubby as possible. So they decided we'll put in a G tube. It'll help us get some extra food into him, and um, that will just help us just being a good place for surgery when we can have it. And so he had his G tube procedure, and it's supposed to be the easiest hmm. procedure. Like it's it's the one the parents don't worry about because it's so easy. Done, you go home that day or the next day. Um, and there's just a very, very small chance something will go wrong. But Beckett was that one in a million case where something did go wrong. And um, his G tube peg ruptured up through the abdominal wall oh. and um, just put him into horrific pain. And it caused a pulmonary crisis. Um, so we went back to the hospital through the ER. He almost died in the ER. Um, they were able to stabilize him and get us up to the PICU and Beckett spent the last six weeks of his life in the PICU, um, just fighting for his life, but his lungs never recovered. And he went home to heaven May 11th of last year. So it's just, it's just been 10 months, almost 11 months now. And because he, he was 18 months and 16 days old when he died and he was a, Baptized and confirmed Christian, and so in the eyes of the Catholic Church, he was—he's considered uh, immediately to the throne of God, like straight to heaven. Um, and the Church is confident in that. So he had um, there's this very special liturgy that the Catholic Church has for um, children who have died um, confidently in a state of grace. It's called the Mass of the Angels. You don't get to see it very often because it's only uh, for. When a child under the age of reason passes, um, so he had that beautiful liturgy, which was a theology in itself for our family and so many other families to see how the church celebrates a soul in heaven. It's um, it's not a requiem. There's no wearing black. It's all the Easter hallelujah, yeah. and um, it was very very beautiful, very meaningful. Hmm. So it's been you know quite a journey of yes, his death was a horrific suffering, but also his life of fighting for his life and being at his side through very intense suffering. He really did suffer towards the end of his life. And to be a mother at your son's side, watching that is, um, is life altering for sure. Um, the most painful thing I've by far ever been through, but it did bring me both to the cross and also to the blessed mother. Like I, I see her with a new lens, um, especially her sorrowful heart of walking with her son and, you know, hiding all that in her heart. Like I see all of her story in a way that I thought I understood because I read the Bible, prayed the (laughs) rosary. I get it here now. Like I, it's, it is so much um, deeper for me. And um so my son definitely brought me you know the evangelical pastor's kid to to the blessed mother in a very beautiful very um deep way and i'm very grateful for that mm. um and suffering has brought me to the lord i've been a christian truly all my life i never remember a moment when i um was not a christian where i did not freely give my heart to the lord and know that he loved me um, but I know that he loves me in a different way now. Like the, the, when you're not just on your knees, but with your face is in the ground in suffering and you are at the very end of yourself and everything that you have to give, he, he lifts, he picks you up
0: mm-hmm. and he
1: takes it for you. And, um, to have experienced that is such a grace. Mm. Um, so even though I've, I literally lived all of my worst night the last three years i was terrified of having a special needs child i truly thought like god made certain women like for that role and that she can do it and she's made for that and she's so strong i could never um i i always have thought from the you know first pregnancy i took that test i took when i got married i always thought that i could never lose a child that i would never survive that i could i would die the same instant i couldn't i couldn't do it um but through every worst nightmare, he is there and he is always teaching, guiding, moving, giving more grace than I could possibly comprehend. Um, and so even though it's been it's been hard and continues to be hard, I'm also so grateful to him for um, the closeness that he has brought um, my family to the cross, but also to the crown. Mm-hmm. It's just so as
0: you speak I, I don't know it gets it has me unglued <laughs> because because watching your journey so closely and and i love the gift that that was sharing that some people are called to share it but so a lot of us feel like we've walked been walking with you from afar and praying with you but i just i'm astounded at your i guess the acceptance of the cross and the resurrection that we hold that that are similar, that happen simultaneously. And that invitation that we all have to be invited into the suffering, the death Mm -hmm. of Christ, and then the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And I think so often when we're going through challenges in life, we, and I see it in other people's lives. I know I've been in this position myself, where we get into that valley and we actually, we become blind to the graces to to what God might have to offer. And the enemy comes in and he has that voice that, you know, how could God allow this? And God is a cruel God. How does he allow bad things Mm -hmm. to happen to good people? And I think the beautiful gift in how you've chosen to walk this journey. And by no means has it been an easy one, but it, it has been a graced one. And so when we, I guess, have our hearts open to the Lord, he allows us to see what he's doing in the midst of that.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just, and I'm,
0: we are, you know, so sorry for your loss because I know it's just like you said, that having a special needs child, all of those dreams, and then losing a child mm-hmm. sort of blown
1: apart really for you. Yes. yes. So ha- well, I think the key word that you said is you chose because it is, a, it is an act of our will. Like we, he does allow us to choose. Mm-hmm. how we're going to react to our circumstances. He never forces Mm-mm. at all. Um, and I, for me, I I know I can't do it by myself. Yeah. Like I can't I can't do grief by myself. I couldn't do special needs parenting by myself. I couldn't do the trauma of having a child in the hospital for for weeks on end and the exhaustion and that, you know the terror that I felt over everything going on. Like, I, I cannot do it myself. Yeah. I, and I feel like that's one of the beautiful graces, of just getting to the end of yourself. Cause we try to control as humans so much, like, and in, in some ways, the grace for me is that it, things got so hard that I couldn't control. And so it was either curse God or give it all to him. Those were my options. Yeah. Um, and we do get to choose, mm. um, And he is such a good father. He is. And he, you know, the scriptures say that he is near to the brokenhearted. He does. He comes in so many different ways in our brokenness, uh, especially when we make that act of our will and choose to give it over. Mm. Um, Doesn't mean that we have perfect consolation or that, you know, that it's great, but he holds it with us. And it, it is enough. It, it is, is enough. Absolutely.
0: And he is the God who actually, he suffers with us. He's the mm-hmm. Christ who walks with us. And I think so often it's so easy to be tempted to feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. You know, Even Jesus hung on the cross. Why have you abandoned me? And it's that choice, that act of the will, as you say, to return to the father and to focus Mm -hmm. on him. And we know, you know, Peter who walked out on the water, you know, he sunk when he took his eyes off Christ. And Mm -hmm. so whatever we're facing in our life, whether it's grief and loss, whatever it is, difficulty challenge, that we just have to, there is an invitation there to choose to keep our eyes focused on Christ. Because Mm -hmm. if we're focused on him, then he is leading us through it. If we mm-hmm. look, we think, we, you know, it's so overwhelming, isn't it? Life yeah. in general and raising yes. a family, not to mention when you add either special needs or death or any mm-hmm. other challenge, it can be completely overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. So, Steph, yeah. in, in that, all of that journey, I guess, how did you hold on to your faith? Because I walk with a lot of women at the moment who are really struggling there is a real, like a a loss of hope, a profound loss of hope, actually. And we're seeing that, you know, globally for people, but in their individual lives suffering through the past two years, how can we hold on to hope? How can we find joy in the midst of like objectively gut-wrenching experiences?
1: Yeah. And hope, hope is the key word because, um, you know, I've been thinking as we've journeyed through the Easter season here that, we often focus so deeply on Good Friday, the trauma of Good Friday, and then the joy of Easter. And we forget the day that comes in between. Mm. And the, the priest who officiated my, my wedding, a really good friend of Peter and, and mine, he said to me years ago, we were, we were talking about a mutual friend who was suffering and he brought up Holy Saturday. And he said, so much of our life, we actually live in Holy Saturday. That waiting, that you know, where you're questioning everything and you feel depressed and despondent and you know, like what was all that for? And what's the point? And where are we going? And all like think of how they felt after everything they have they have walked with Jesus for these three years, and then all of their hopes and dreams are crucified on a cross. And they and they bury that body in a tomb. And then they have that full day of waiting. And what keeps them going is hope. It's, it's what keeps us going to the glory of Easter Sunday and the glory of heaven. So hope is necessary. And I I don't just believe this. I have felt it and witnessed it in my own life, in my own body, is the power of others praying for you. When you say that people around the world were praying for me, I know that here, but I also know it through my whole body because there were things that I was able to do that I look back and I'm like, how, how was I standing up? Right. How did I make that decision? How was I clear headed when I had to do this? thing? How, there was a point in Beckett's story where he went into cardiac arrest and his heart stopped for 12 minutes. And my husband and I stood there and watched, you know, half of the hospital pediatric uh, unit, try to save my baby's life. And they were able to, uh, bring him back to me at that, at that time. But how, how was I standing up? Right. How was I not screaming like a crazy person? <laughs> because Now when I look back, that's what I feel it like did, I should have right sure. do. Yeah. And it's, it is the power of others praying for you. The grace in our lives doesn't only come from our own prayers, but we are, we are the body of Christ for a reason. We are a church community because we need each other. And, um, Reaching out and asking for prayer is a powerful thing, and when someone asks you to pray for an intention and you say yes, I'll pray for you, mean it for that person. Don't forget. So, you know, I, I really, there's a few people in my life when they say yes, I will pray for that. I know without a shadow of doubt that I will be prayed for, and what a consolation that is. That's one of the. Things that I admire most in a true friendship is when you are confident that that person, when they say yes, I'll pray for that, they will pray for that. And they've got you. It is not just us. Yes. And so for your listeners who might feel hopeless, like reach out and ask somebody to pray for you. Mm. It is amazing um, what happens through the power of prayer, the grace that flows through the power of prayer. And also if you're praying for someone who's struggling, pray to their guardian angel. Um, because God gave each of us an angel to watch over us and protect us, and that angel, I I also know that our angels must have been actively working overtime um, through the last the last year for, for my whole family. You know, my my I was separated from my other kids for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I look back, how did they do that? How did you know they they are okay even through that trauma? And um, I know it's prayer,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: don't, don't discount that. And don't discount that the hope that will sustain through those hard times might come not from, from you, but from someone else, you know, Um, lowering your friend down through the roof who needs healing. Like we need to be that as the body of Christ. And he does listen to our prayers. He really does.
0: Amen. I just, it's beautiful. And I think what you've touched on there, the other side of the experience. So, you know, you're sharing your experience of your relationship with the Lord through this, but you've also touched on what it is like to receive, I guess, the gift of friendship yes,
1: the support. Yes. That's
0: mm-hmm. another element of vulnerability. I think as women we struggle with that, reaching out and saying, actually, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Things are not okay. Yes. <laughs> like I need some help. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, most women, you and I, would be there in a, in a blink of an eye for anybody yes. that said that. But we find it so hard ourselves to to put our hands up. But I love Mm -hmm. how you've touched on your experience of receiving that friendship, because Mm -hmm. I also believe that sometimes we can hold back. But I know, I mean, I was an oncology palliative care nurse for many years and Mm -hmm. had the enormous privilege of walking people home to heaven's door and Mm -hmm. some of the most sacred moments of my life. And watching friends and family with someone who is about to leave this life, go to eternal life, Mm -hmm. the number that would just hold back, not sure what to do, not sure what to say, whereas my advice to people is it doesn't matter if you get it right or wrong, just get in there.
1: It's so true.
0: Someone will tell you if they don't want it, and that's okay, Mm -hmm. but it's much better to have offered it than to have stood back because my experience nursing people, I love that um, statue of the Pieta, you know, Mary mm-hmm. holding Jesus. And I read a book and it's, it's called The the Hold of Mercy. And that mm-hmm. when our lives are being blown apart by pain or, or just in we're in a free fall, what we actually mm-hmm. need is someone to step into that space and to hold mm-hmm. us together. Yes. And so I really want to encourage women not to hold back. Don't be worried. Mm-hmm. Like don't tread too gently on the ground around someone who might mm-hmm. be going through a difficult time or drowning in grief because they might just need you to hold them in that Pieta hold.
1: Yes, yes, so true. It is so true. I, I am a living testimony to that. <laughs>
0: yes. And oh. even from afar, like even from afar, like we are in Australia, you're in the US, My, I have a daughter, Stephanie, and so she really connected with your story. And even now, every night without fail, she will pray for your family and, and pray for Beckett. And she genuinely does. She will not go to sleep at night
1: without making those prayers and, you know we 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 need it I mean even even more than 10 months ago I feel like as grief progresses we definitely need know I'm so grateful for it but we also feel it and I know like certain things will happen like on a on a extra hard day some kind of consolation comes and I've learned to know that it's not just, it doesn't just happen that way. Someone was praying, somebody you know, was storming heaven for us and knew what we needed in this moment. I really, so many, we don't even have time to get into it today, but so many unexplainable things have happened like that over the last year of somebody's praying, like clearly somebody's praying. Uh, Even when I don't know how to pray for myself, somebody is praying. Um, And I feel that. Mm-hmm. So so grateful. I want you to give your daughter a big hug. I will. I will. There's a connection. I, hope I get to meet her someday <laughs>
0: Hopefully, if we ever get to travel again. <laughs> Gosh, it's, it's beautiful. And Steph, I'm wondering if you can share just a little bit um, around, I guess, going through grief, walking through that. I mean, not only are you holding your own grief and trying to make sense of that and your husband's, but you have four other children. Mm -hmm. so how do you actually show up for them when you feel like you're falling apart what do you what do you
1: do how do you actually do that uh well getting help through it because it's it is hard to navigate um and I'm definitely not an expert (laughs) I'll say that first but I would say that in these 10 months a few things that have been very important have been um time Alone, time apart for them so that I can show up well as a mother. Mm-hmm. So, especially last summer in the early days of grief, my husband would um, let me go get out of the house early every single morning for a long walk. Sometimes I'd walk for an hour, and that would be the time where I would pray, yell at God if I felt like I needed to yell at God that day, cry, just like get it, get it out. So that when I came back, I I had gotten it out so I could be present to my children and I wasn't letting it out on them or, you know, being stressed. So that really helped me like start my day with time alone to just kind of process and get my mind and heart in a good place. Mm -hmm. Um, Counseling definitely has helped so that um, I can process through, you know, with someone apart from my family also helps me show up to my children and then just learning I would say one of the positive fruits of grief is really learning to be very empathetic and gentle with others in our family. Like when you've got six grieving people under the same roof and they're all different temperaments, different personalities, different ages, different experiences of the trauma and grief. Just learning a, a gentleness with each other and a graciousness, um, almost like a compassion with each other, because sometimes it might be my husband who has a really hard day of grief and it might exhibit itself that he's just extra grumpy. Then the next day it might be me, or maybe it's one child who's just in a bad mood or just not himself, or you know, just really learning to instead of react to whatever the situation is in front of us to be very gentle and very gracious and just acknowledging everyone's just in a different spot and every day is going to be different. So we're learning, we don't have that all figured out, but we definitely feel like as a family learned a lot about gentleness. Um, And then seeking help when we need help. Thankfully we have, we have an amazing pastor who walked with us every step of Beckett's life and death. And, uh, after death and, um, I can text him, I can email him and say, father, <laughs> I'm not doing well. And, you know, he will, he will pick up the phone and call or he'll email right back and say, I'm for you. I'm going to go to adoration right now. And I'm going to pray for you. Just having, having a, a good priest in our lives has been even more than a good counselor for me, having, um, just a holy priest to walk with our family has been, um, such a gift. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are some things I think acknowledging that you all need your space is so important. So it's not all about, Oh, I'm just going to always be present with the kids and pour, pour into them. And, and so they're okay. No, it's acknowledging in humility that I'm also not okay. So I need that time away <laughs> to yeah. go on my walk, or I need to go to adoration by myself, or I need to go to my Christian counseling appointment and go talk to my therapist so that I can come back and be a better mom to my children. And that's those are all acts of humility for me. They're not easy for me to do. I, I'm definitely the just push through. I can take it. You're an eldest child. <laughs> I'm an eldest child. But it's it's an act of humility to know that you cannot always pour out. You have to be poured into. Mm. Um, that God made us that way. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think whether um, you're
0: walking through grief or not, as a mum, just for yes, stop. like yes. there is this misguided notion that you have to be all things to all people. And you mm-hmm. always, like you said, you're just constantly pouring and giving. That's actually yeah. not biblical. It's not how yes. Christ wants us to live. It's not holy or glorified motherhood. We yeah. actually need to be given that permission to invest and to mm-hmm. nurture ourselves. Like you said, we can't give what, we don't have so I think that's a really important point for all women Mm -hmm. yes definitely yeah Steph just um, I'm conscious of time and and you've got your babies to go and get dinner for and wrap up for the night over there but any pearls of wisdom that you might be able to offer women who are just sort of a bit aimless in their life or have been Mm -hmm. through difficulty just how they Mm -hmm. keep going I mean our The Bible is full of paradoxes. The Christian life is one great big paradox. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, we go through our 20s and our 30s and we sort of think we're on this trajectory of up and we'll finally reach this point where we've got it all sorted. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of hit your 40s and you realise, well, it's just life is this constant up and down and we never Mm -hmm. quite arrive. That's the Christian life. And the great paradox is lose your life and you'll find it you know, blessed are they who mourn. There's so many take the difficult path. That's the, the way to get to Christ. So I'm just wondering if you can speak into, I guess, some of those things and just some, yeah. wisdom,
1: some pearls of wisdom. I would just say what I, I would like to share is so, it's so simple. It might sound trite, but just know that Jesus loves you. Like, I feel like in all the questions you've asked me, the root, the root and foundation of, every answer that I've given you is because I I know that he loves me and that is why I have hope. I know that he has saved me and is saving me and that's why I trust him. And I too have worked with a lot of women um, over the years. And one of the things that is so clear to me, the more that I work with women and, um, and and connecting with women is how The devil has lied to all of us about our worth in Christ. And we might even think up here that Jesus loves us, but a lot of us struggle in our hearts with the love of God. And um, especially in this season of Easter, sometimes we need to back up up into Lent (laughs) and read the story through slowly again of why he came. And why he did everything he did is because of us, not just us collectively, but individually, too, that we are truly his daughters. Um, And that he sees us in our suffering. He sees us in our brokenness. He sees us in our shame and our sin. And he still loves. And in my own life, that is such a relief. (laughs) Mm. It's such a relief to know that I have loved in the midst of my brokenness and my sin and my shame and just all the messiness of life. Mm. Um, And it's the most important truth. Everything else we can get even bogged down in Christianity and doctrine, and all the things, but we have to know that we are loved by God and that he desires relationship with us. And if you're further down the road, but everything's not not going well, back up to that, and just focus on that. Meditate on that. Read the scriptures um, where He has called you by name and claimed you for His own. And if you can believe that in your heart, not your not just your head, everything else flows from that. Um, so that's that's what I will leave your listeners with. And that's I feel like if I have any mission left on this earth that's that is my mission is to just I want to, to women to know how loved they are and that they are a daughter of God because if you know that you can you can go through the fire and know that he's going to walk through the fire with you you can go out into the deep water and know that you don't have to swim because he's going to pick you up um it is the most important thing
0: amen amen Steph, thank you so much would you, uh, would
1: you be open to closing in prayer for us? Just sure. I would love to do that. Way right. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we come before you as your daughters today. We thank you. We thank you for this time together. I thank you for every woman who listens to this interview, Lord, that you would touch her heart deeply today and that she would know your love that your faithfulness to her in a new way, Lord, I pray that she would feel worthy of your love, worthy of relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you through the power of your Holy Spirit would break down the walls that we build around our hearts. Lord, we ask that you would break our stony hearts open and would give us a new heart that beats with the knowledge of your love, the knowledge of salvation through you, of the hope that we have in you and the glory that is to come. And we thank you, Father, for loving us so purely, so perfectly. And I just entrust each heart who listens to you, Father God, um, be with your daughters um, wherever they are listening in the world today. Be with your daughters. And Lord, give us the courage to respond to your invitation of relationship. Give us the courage to lay down our fears, our shame, our hopelessness, our brokenness, just to come and let you take it. And I thank you in advance, Lord, for the hearts that you're moving, the hearts that you're healing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Well, I really hope and pray that you were blessed by that conversation with Steph. If you would like to follow along and read her blogs and all of her material on motherhood, the vocation of motherhood and everything that she shared with us today, please check out her website, www.motherandhome.co. You can also follow her on Instagram under Stephanie Wynart or Mother and Home. Ladies, the doors have opened for our Catholic coaching program here at The Genius Project. If you would like to check that out, please visit the link in the show notes or our website, www.geniusproject.co. In Catholic coaching, we help you to become a student of your own interior life and to learn how to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Scripture says that we need to be renewed by the transformation of our minds. But how do we actually do that if we've never been taught? In a Catholic coaching program, you learn the tools and the skills to help you learn to be renewed by the transformation of your mind and to help you manage those toxic and negative thoughts which really lead you outside the will of God for your own life. So ladies, if you'd like to find out more, please send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co Or check out the coaching page, www.geniusproject.com. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.